Well, before we all depart for our festive break, there's some really interesting things that are developing, maybe shocking uh, to a certain degree, though. As we went into the break, I told you about a former top FIFA official who was offered hundreds of thousands of dollars in exchange for his vote on where the 2018 FIFA World Cup would be held. Now, the former EXCO member, Guatemalan Rafael Salguero, uh, said that he agreed to accept the bribe and was uh, voted as asked. But the big thing is here that bribe was never paid. It's now been revealed which country, in fact, it's not even been revealed which country Salguero voted for, uh, but based on just the released court transcript, uh, which is redacted as well it it seems to be either russia or england the other bidders were spain portugal as well as belgium netherlands and those names don't fit the redactions as well now the identity of the individual uh, offering the bribe was also not revealed but salguero said that the person first approached him in mid 2010 and directed him to a very wealthy friend in italy he would pay him for his vote hey sounds all complicated and that is why we're going to head off to L.A. Let's go to Los Angeles in the United States of America. Uh, we're a reporter with BuzzFeed News, author of Red Card. Uh, that is uh, Ken Bessinger. Uh, will tell us a little bit more about it. Ken, thank you so, so much for your time. Real pleasure chatting to you. And uh, a great read, Red Card was. And I've been trying to paint this picture here. Seems a bit complicated. How can you break it down for us? Thanks for uh, inviting me to talk a little bit about it, Robert. Um, essentially, uh, this particular incident just appeared. It's been uh, uh, years after we first heard that someone like Rafael Salguero might be involved in corruption in the sport, but we didn't know in what context. And, in fact, he disappeared. Um, uh, he was indicted. He was charged with multiple crimes by the U.S. government in December of 2015, and was not seen from since, completely disappeared from public view. And suddenly, three weeks ago, um, the government, the U.S. government decided to announce that they were going to sentence him and that he had secretly pleaded guilty in the case. And um, at the same time, they released uh, this copy of the transcript of his guilty plea, which you were, you were referring to. Um, and that plea was taken in October 2016, but for reasons we still don't know why, the government wanted to keep it secret until now. And what they released makes it clear that there was uh, at least attempts at bribery um, for the for the vote for who would host the 2018 World Cup, um, which of course proves to be consistent with a trend we've seen within FIFA over the years. And um, uh, it also validates an idea about why this whole giant criminal investigation began in the first place, because. Um, uh, it was. It began, according to many, many sources, as an investigation of whether Russia was um, breaking the rules and cheating to win the right to host the World Cup. And this is the first um, actual evidence to suggest it could very well have been the case that Russia or England, but um, personally, I would suggest more likely Russia was was putting its finger on the scales. And when you got a case like this again, Ken, and you and you're trying to find out what exactly happened and there is a bit of speculation like i was saying in the intro uh, that we we're still not sure i mean i don't know whether from your side you can give a little bit of a heads up in terms of russia or england uh, but it does seem that it tipped to the, the scale towards russia in the end that these th- this voting you know the way that these things are done and now that we uh, look towards the next world cup uh, which again was also mired in all sorts of controversy and uh, rigging of votes and bribery etc 
how does the world sit back and, and look at FIFA and try and find a level of credibility here? I'm, I, honestly, I think it's very hard. I'm not particularly convinced that all that's been done to, um, to clean up the sport has, has been successful, perhaps because there's, there's still more cleanup to go. Or, or another less optimistic view would be that it's simply too hard to clean up, that kind of like the, the mafia organizations it's sometimes compared to, um, the problem is if you cut off the head, another head just grows back in its place. Um, there's too many, there's too much money involved and too many people willing to take advantage of that situation for their own financial benefit. Um, and there's such a deep-rooted culture of corruption within FIFA at, at essentially every level of the sport, something American prosecutors call it endemic. Uh, mm. we, we've seen through this case and elsewhere the corruption on the greatest level, such as World Cup voting, but even on the smallest level of you know um, friendlies among small countries that really aren't that where people are taking bribes for just a few thousand U.S. dollars at a time. And and talking about the specific individual, though, because when he does plead guilty, he's got to give more details so that they could be criminal uh, prosecution. How successful were they in terms of that? No, so in this case, actually, they got him to, um, I don't, I'm not familiar enough with the South African system of justice, but here they have this system where people can uh, um, agree to plead guilty and then cooperate with the investigation in hopes of receiving a smaller criminal sentence, and he did that. So he already pleaded guilty in 2016 secretly and presumably has been providing information to prosecutors for years now, for two or three years. Um, and so what we saw uh, a week ago was the sentencing. And we saw he must have provided good information because the prosecutors urged great, a great deal of leniency from the court, and the judge ultimately gave him time served, which means that he's not going to see another day in, in prison. He's allowed to go back to Guatemala. Um, it suggests he gave a great deal of assistance. But it is a big mystery because the government was very careful about not revealing every detail and yet providing enough tantalizing details to make a strong suggestion that they knew quite a bit. And if I were a betting man, it would uh, that and numerous other tea leaves are all suggestive that some other action is going to be coming from from the government in this case, and that may point towards Russia. Yeah, without a doubt, though. But what do we make of the fact that, you know, he still did not receive the money? Uh, where does this put the case or the intention of the person who was doing the bribing? Yeah, well, I mean, him not, rece- him not receiving the money, I mean, th- there was some discussion about that. Yeah. It may just indicate that he's not, he's not so clever. Um, that he, he, they gave the, the unknown people offering the bribe, gave him the opportunity to collect on this bribe prior to the vote. Um, but he said he was nervous because there was so much scrutiny at the time over the voting process. He was afraid someone would notice he, he was ma- making a trip to Italy or taking money somehow. And so he asked them if he could receive the money after the vote. And when he made the vote, um, ostensibly in favor of whoever um, uh, uh, wanted it to be voted, how it wanted to be voted, he then began contacting those people to ask for his money, and they, they stopped responding. So mm. it may indicate that these voters, these CFA's officials aren't quite as clever as they'd like to believe they are. Um, uh, nonetheless, you know, we've seen a history of this kind of, of thing. You mentioned Qatar and, um, and the many, many allegations of of corruption there. I think just the other day, FIFA banned someone who had received money from the head of Qatar's football, you know, uh, soccer association, and those kind of that kind of scandal continues to ripple. And of course, closer to home for you in South Africa, one of the other defendants in the FIFA case, um, who's now deceased, but when he was cooperating, he 
he admitted to um, negotiating and accepting a bribe um, to vote for South Africa in 2004 so he could host the World Cup in 2010. And that bribe was for $10 million, and um, it was it went primarily to Jack Warner, who was a representative from the Caribbean, from Trinidad and Tobago, but also a million of that was to go to this official in the United States, Chuck Blazer. Sure. And there's so many stories around Chuck Blazer. We'll get to that in a second, though, because uh, that redirects me to the great book that I was talking about, uh, Red Card, uh, which you authored. Uh, you talk about uh, Julio uh, Grandona, who was the person that passed away in 2014. So that now is factual, though, Ken, that uh, he did indeed receive the money uh, to vote for South Africa for the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Um, well, I don't know. Grandona was alleged to have received many, many millions of dollars to vote for Qatar um, for the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not clear. I apologize if I wasn't clear. I'm not sure if he voted for um, South Africa, although I think the numbers suggest that South America as a whole did vote for South Africa. Um, But I was specifically referring to Chuck Glazer as the one who, yeah, he's the one who cooperated, and and he died in 2017. Mm -hmm. Of course, one of the problems here is that so many of these officials have been doing this for so long and so reluctant to give up power that they're quite old many one of there was a gentleman sentenced over the summer a brazilian who was 86 years old at the time of his sentencing um so we're talking about sort of senior citizens who are who are sticking their hands in the pockets of the sport at this point um in the case of grandona um he died in 2014 just after the brazilian world cup um but in a sense he was he's been one of the stars of the case because so much of the corruption um emanated from him and revolved around him um, and he was alleged, um, as I said a moment ago, to have taken um, several million dollars in exchange uh, for his vote for Qatar. Let's go to Red Card, though, because it lifts the lid, and, and it's something like we've just spoken about now that uh, touches on where we are as South Africans, and uh, so much was said. Uh, in, in fact, you know, you look at what the CEO at the time uh, of the World Cup, and then there was the refereeing scandal, the match fixing that was all a part of the build up to the 2010 FIFA World Cup. But I think uh, the crucial thing was the vote in 2004. Uh, otherwise, we would not have had this World Cup, I am sure. I don't know because it all has to do with the shenanigans here, Ken, of what happens behind the scenes. But I mean, Chuck Blazer was, was probably one of the first that was put out there uh, that the world got to know about. I remember stories on CNN uh, chronicling everything that had happened and uh, giving all the details, even admitting and agreeing to accept bribes along with Jack Warner to vote for South Africa to host the 2010 uh, FIFA World Cup. Now, I mean, th- this is on record. And what does this say, though, when, when you did the investigation for the book itself? What sort of impression did you get about this flawed process? You know, I mean, I, I, honestly speaking, one starts to dig around on it. It's hard to find a World Cup going back for decades that hasn't been flawed. And, and each successive World Cup seems to have been um, awarded on suspect grounds uh, back and back and back because, of course, as I'm sure you recall, South Africa had been a candidate to host the World Cup in 2006, and then Germany um, swooped in at the end and, and beat, uh, beat South Africa's bid. Um, and, and perhaps on the outside, people weren't too shocked. After all, Germany's a great power in the sport and economically, et cetera. But in recent years, it's come out that perhaps Germany's bid um, for the to, to to host was itself flawed. So then we learned that that perhaps there was cheating for Germany to get it. And then we go back further and we see this um, that the South Korea um, and and Japan 
um, thing may not have had bribery, but it had very complicated political calculations and quite a bit of skullduggery involved around it as well. Um, and it goes back and back and back. Every Almost every single World Cup that I know of, dating back to 1978, um, has had these very heavy questions around it about its legitimacy or about specific aspects of how it was conducted or organized. And you haven't had any threats, though, Ken. I mean, I've known of other journalists that have uh, uncovered some of these happenings within FIFA, and they've had their lives threatened. They've had families as well that have been threatened. How have you found your life centered around the book, which has given, you know, a factual account of what has happened here? Have you been safe? I've been safe as far as I know um, um, in my career and other topics because I'm a, I've don't just read about sport, but I write about business and mm. corruption in general. I've had some moments where people have made some thinly veiled or not so thinly veiled um, uh, suggestions that I cease and desist. But in this case, the kind of resistance I got was less threats and more um, an absolute lack of, of help and an attempt to um, to make obstacles uh, to my reporting. So. FIFA would not help me at all. They um, went so far as to deny me credentials to all their events. Um, people involved in the world, um, you know, would, would just uh, give me bad information on purpose, try to mislead me. Um, and there was also people who were um, trying to sort of poison the well for me with sources. And um, there was sources were telling me that people were anonymously giving them information about me that suggested I was up to no good and that I was a bad actor. Um, so there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but thankfully, no one has ever, in this case, put any threat on my life. Well, thank goodness for that. Uh, yeah. And, and just as a, I mean, part of your, your digging and information gathering, I always found it quite fascinating as to was there a reason why uh, there was that stage where Warner was reluctant to pay Chuck Blazer all of his uh, $1 million dollar portion of the 10 million dollar bribe which led obviously to the end of their friendship uh, then followed by blazer turning on warner and warner responding by leaking the damaging financial info about blazer that allowed american prosecutors then to turn to blazer into the co-operator as far as this is concerned was there any facts as to why or they just fell out with each other yeah, I think it's a good, and that was just something I spent a lot of time trying to understand as I researched this book. Um, uh, understanding that the mindset of these people was was quite a challenge. Um, uh, I've communicated with Warner a few times, but he's not particularly communicative. Communicative. He's very um, uh, he's very formal, but he doesn't really provide any information. And Blazer, I spoke to a couple times, but by the time I really began working on the book, he was terminally ill with cancer and not talking. Um, my sense from talking to people is that over the they have been best friends and very close allies, but over the years um, their interests diverged. And Warner um, was characterized by sort of insatiable greed and what uh, might be considered reckless greed. Whereas Blazer was certainly a greedy fellow. I think he also had enough common sense to know um, that sometimes too much greed can be dangerous. And Warner, um, perhaps because he was a political figure in his native Trinidad and Tobago. Um, didn't have that kind of resistance to taking everything. And um, he had a career marked by taking everything and never paying any price for it, never having any reckoning. I think he just decided he'd rather not pay Blazer and challenge Blazer to do anything about it because he thought he had the power. He was the one who had the votes that made that uh, was sort of the voting block that made him so valuable. And 
Um, he did play, pay Blazer part of the money. Um, I think he paid uh, about half of the million dollars that was that was due, you know, due him in this in this fees agreement. Um, and Blazer kept begging and begging for the rest of it. Of course, not that he needed it; he had plenty of other illicit money. But he kept begging and begging, and Warner wouldn't deliver. And it, it, I think it was the last straw in what was already a tense relationship. Um, neither of them, of course, at that moment could have imagined um, that it was perhaps the first big domino to fall in, in, in a massive series of them. Ken, my final question to you. Um, do you think FIFA at the moment is clean? No, I don't. I mean, in, in a word, no. It's just it's just too much. You know, my what I learned researching this book um, is that, that the FIFA, the corruption in the sport dates back to the mid-1970s, uh, the big-scale corruption. It dates back to the mid-1970s and um, is really like a, a deep-seated cancer in a sport. And something like this case um, described in my book, which is, you know, the book really tells the story of how American law enforcement, the FBI and the IRS and prosecutors, built this case from the ground up in secret. Um, what they did was sort of akin to what a surgeon would do in removing the tumor. So now the big cancerous mass might have been the tumor or the cancer metastasized throughout the entire body of FIFA. And the surgery is just not going to be enough, in my opinion. I think for FIFA to really be cleaned up, if to continue this forced metaphor, yeah. it's going to need chemotherapy. It's going to need years of treatment to get it cleaned up. And I think we're going to see hopefully no more scandals of this size, this dimension. But I think we'll continue to see smaller ones as that cleanup process goes. So I would say let's give it five or, five or ten more years and then, and then do an update. All right, Ken, thank you so much. As I said, wonderful read. Uh, Red Card has been and reporter for BuzzFeed News and author of Red Card, uh, Ken Bessinger. Thank you so much for joining us here in South Africa on hashtag MSW. Lots of insight. Really appreciate it. Oh, it was a great pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much.